And welcome to Here We Stand. This is the voice of the Republic and the Resistance. It's February the 13th. I'm your regular host, Kevin Annett, Eagle's strong voice. We have it in our power to begin the world again. Those are the words of Tom Paine, written in his pamphlet, Common Sense, at Valley Forge, Pennsylvania, Christmas Eve, 1776, when the revolution had almost collapsed. And there in the pit of despair, he wrote those words and pamphlet that inspired a nation to carry on the struggle for their first republic, true republic in history. We have it in our power to begin the world again, brothers and sisters. And that's why we're here every day in the midst of the global corporatocracy, the worst tyranny the world has ever known, the attempted enslavement of the human race. We are fighting back in many countries, building up a federation of common law republics. Today, we're going to hear about that in more detail with another interview uh, that I conducted, a joint discussion, really, with uh, Owen Lucas from our common law republic in England, the Republic of Anglia, and a convention for that and other republics will be discussed in upcoming shows. But today, we realize that we can begin the world again every day because of the freedom given to us every morning that we feel in our hearts. And it's our answer to the global trauma and assault we're all facing. Now, fortunately, in my own life, I've had the uh, experience before the last two years of what it means to be traumatized and to find the inner resources to carry on. I discovered um, a letter early on in my 30 years war here that began in 1992 when I first uncovered evidence of genocide by the Christian churches on the west coast of Canada. And this is a a letter I wrote shortly after I was fired and lost my family and everything. I, I wrote to a friend, once I learned why I was being so targeted, all of the garbage thrown at me finally made sense. The whole system stood naked and clear to me for the first time in my life. I saw that it was a bloody, murderous thing that had to be fought at every level and brought down if any of us were to survive. When I gained that clarity, I was never afraid of anything or anyone anymore. I had found my purpose. And many of us are going through that same process now. And we're armed with that knowledge. Three basic things. The general understanding that we are sovereign human beings, that we are born with the capacity to rule and govern ourselves and to pass our own laws and enforce them when tyranny has taken hold and is in the saddle. We authorize our own courts, but we're also authorized to do that under international and common law. That's where we get our authority. And the republics created in our name are the governing jurisdictions that govern all our work. Secondly, though, what is our situation? What's happening now is the same genocide that happened in the past and continues today. So, friends, what do we expect to go on? Do we expect this COVID dictatorship to suddenly end and then withdraw their measures. That's what we would like, but that isn't the reality. We have to know the truth and not simply our projected desires. Why are people even talking to Justin Trudeau or Mary Simon, the official head of state in Canada? They are wanted felons. They're criminally convicted on January 15th. The trucker convoy should not be seeking out a way to talk to them. They should be arresting them using our common law arrest warrants, which you can find at murderbydecree.com under ITCCS updates. January 15th posting. Third reality, the strategy we use. The strategy is two basic things that Sun Tzu in the Art of War talks about. You never respond on the terms of your adversary. So the question is, why is anyone even talking about the COVID, so-called COVID virus and police state? That's the issue they created. If we react to it, if we simply respond, they have control of the narrative and the terrain. 
We don't do that. We create our own terrain, like we did with the genocide campaign in Canada. We didn't talk about child abuse. We said it's genocide. And eventually, everyone had to agree with us. And secondly, you never do the expected. You don't hold rallies. You don't hold convoys. They're good for your own morale. It's good to rally your people that way. But you do the unexpected. They're expecting protests. You do the unexpected. You arrest them. You seize their property and assets. You use methods that they don't expect, and you strike where they're weak, not where they're strong. All of these lessons are common sense, and we're going to be talking about those today, Owen Lucas and I, and also going over lessons that have uh, been learned and news that uh, you may not have heard before. We're going to, in future shows, the results of our arrests that we're conducting in Canada on the West Coast and other places will be described. There are works in progress now. We can't talk about the details because it might compromise what's going on, but those reports will be coming out very soon. So today we're going to be talking, starting with the discussion of the, the state of the truck convoys in Canada and around the world and what lies beyond, including two things. The truckers and people protesting today need to not only become common law republic sheriffs to make the arrests, to seize the drugs off the shelf because they're the products of medical genocide and the mass murder of children, but they have to be delegates to future Congress where, of our republic in Canada and Canada. They have to reestablish our own governance. And secondly, work towards something that's going to occur July 1st to 4th, an international conference of rep- Publics, uh, common law republics will be uh, convened during that weekend, and one of the coordinating bodies will be our Paris office. The ICLCJ, the International Common Law Court of Justice, has an office in Paris. You can reach them, ICLCJ Paris at protonmail.com for any Frank, uh, francophones and others in France or Quebec to help organize that international convention of delegates to create a federation of republics around the world, our answer to the global corporatocracy. In the same way we fought the Vatican by uniting uh, victims of church crimes across borders with our original tribunal in 2010, we are uniting people across borders of an international federation of common law republics because we are engaged in a great civil war. The corporatocracy on the one hand and the people in their own governing assemblies on the other. And it's time to choose which side are you on. So enjoy the uh, show today, learn from it, and may all that you do now and today, you do with clear minds, pure hearts, and iron wills for what is coming down the pipe, what we're facing today, and what we will face tomorrow in this war of liberation given to each one of us to carry on in the name of our children and the ones who will follow, who will carry on this battle according to what we have done and learned and refuse to do today and tomorrow. This is Kevin Annett, Eagle Strong Voice, and here's our interview. Now, like, they've been blocking the border. The various cities along the border, like Windsor, Ontario, are applying for injunctions to end it because they're, they're, the auto plants in America are shutting down because they're not getting parts. So there's kind of this panic mongering starting in the corporate media in a big way, like they did when the first residential school lawsuits began. They said, churches will go bankrupt you know, um, they'll lose their buildings if these poor, bad Indians sue them, right? Uh, same deal now. They're saying, you know, they're responsible. The bad truckers are responsible for destroying the economy and, you know, all this stuff. In in the American media, they're immediately portrayed as neo-Nazis. Yeah. They said swastikas are being seen on the – I mean, it's absurd. We didn't see any swastikas. So it's just – 
it's the usual fear mongering and response to truckers are pulling back. Uh, they're, they're, they're giving up ground, which is what you don't do. Um, in on page, uh, 34. Okay. Of the, of the, uh, whistleblower manual, it's entitled going for their jugular. And what, what the whole thing is when you're small, uh, and you're being attacked like we are small in the sense of not fully aware of your own power yet. Uh, you know, you've been attacked. The first response is to try to negotiate your way out, uh, do anything that won't cause you to be hurt. You do the opposite. You go for their jugular. You attack what, where they're vulnerable, which they did. Okay. They, they blocked the highway system and Canada is totally dependent on the trans Canada highway. It's a one East and West, uh, you know, avenue by which all the commerce moves. They could have shut down the rails as well. If they had done that and not budged and said, um, we want a new system altogether. You know, like if they had been educated in what they're really dealing with, they would have had the system by the knackers. But instead, they immediately try to negotiate. You don't negotiate when you're in a position of power. You dictate. And they, they didn't. Right. So that was the first mistake. Right. I had a stat that, that over 50 percent of the Ottawa uh, cops had uh, reversed their allegiance away from the no. crown and the government. That's that's not true. No, no, that's a rumor. That's not true. There's there's individuals we spoke to who talked about doing that. But you see, no cops won't do that. I know because we've been speaking to we have contacts all through the police and they're all Canadian Mounted Police and um, the Ontario Provincial Police and others. And there's a few individuals here and there, but they always say the same thing. They say, yeah, we know this is a lot of, uh, you know, tyranny that's going on, but none of us are going to step out and challenge that right away because we don't have a chain of command set up that's different than what we got. We need another chain of command. In other words, what they're saying is they need another um, police force system set up that they can switch over to because um, that doesn't exist yet because we haven't built up the Republic and it's, it's, its own jurisdictions. It's not strong enough yet to offer that to them. And so there's individuals who express that, but that's um, either people's, and, and this gets back to the whole discussion of realism versus idealism. People will say what they want to see happen. They'll, if they think that if you, you wish something enough, it'll happen. Right. Um, that's not a realistic point of view. We have to see the world the way it is. And if you don't see your adversary the way they are, not the way you want them to be, but the way they are, you're dead. Um, we have to, and, and being realistic, seeing things the way they are is a very difficult thing for people because especially raised in this culture where anything on the internet can seem true, right? Cause that's where everyone's focused. So we have to talk about what realism act, actually means. It's a lost, uh, We've lost that ability to see things clearly, right? And, and would you would you describe it as a a, a, a siege situation? And, and if so, who's besieging who? Because all, all the convoy, you know, attempted to come and and you know close in on on the government, shall we say? But have have they been outmaneuvered? And, and now they're in the middle of it, and you know they're being starved out or, or attempted to be starved out. Who's who's besieging who? <laughs> well. In, you know, potentially it's it's the system. And I don't want to talk about the government because they're not really the source of power. Well, they've gone, um, right? They, they just they just outmaneuvered them. Yeah, Trudeau took off to create the impression that he was fleeing. He did go to the West Coast to get instructions, I think, from the Chinese, who he's working closely with. Um, but but he also had to create an impression. Pardon me? 
Uh, but now, now he's back. He's he's returned to the capital. He, yeah, he returned to Ottawa. Um, and you know, a lot of false stories were put out through the alternative media. And that, like, first thing to understand, there is no such thing as our own media. Everything is influenced at every level um, by the by the bad guys. Right? They have their their uh, controlled opposition. The whole bit. So it's hard to know what's true and what isn't if you just go by the internet. The only way you can know what's true is from your own experience and your own common sense. And um, that's the first thing people often surrender because they think somebody else knows better. Um, people, okay, I, I noticed this. We've been under this incredible weight for like two years. And finally, pressure is moved saying, look, somebody's doing something. So everyone floods to it like it's the new Messiah. Right. And you can't criticize. I've had people say to me, don't you dare criticize the truckers because then it'll defeat them. We can't have division. We've all got to be together. And I said, okay, but you can't do it with the blindfold on. Where's the money coming from? What is their aims? They're very limited. This is like, uh, again, rent a mob. Suddenly a mass movement appears overnight. That only happens through a lot of money. I mean, you got to ask these hard questions so that we can not be drawn in and used, right? Which often happens. So, yeah, it's like the fake euphoria going on, right? That and, and the go the GoFundMe example is you know totally uh, backs you up and vindicates what you were saying about that you know the, the the questionable speed with which the money was raised you know all of a sudden GoFundMe gets you know exposed for for what they are uh, from from the from the book uh, uh, page yeah. thirty two depositing illusions and learning total realism self delusion is the most tenacious quality in the human mind history teaches but it has no pupils. Antonio Gramsci, nineteen thirty-one. So the the point being that n- nobody nobody likes to have their values challenged, right? By by the, the examples that history continually throw up, and and we still want to live in the fluffy bunny rabbit world of primary school, where you know the the teacher comes and wipes your nose and everything's rosy, right? It it it's that definitely, and but it goes deeper. It goes right into the psyche of human beings, and I talk about this in uh, Memoirs of a Revolutionary. It starts on page 146. Um, bec- uh, there's a double impulse in all of us. There's, um, you know, two minds, really, when, when push comes to shove. Part of us are abhorred by the system. and We want to break from it. You know, we want to fight it and break from it. Another part identifies with it. And normally within each of our psyches, they're separated. They never meet. Because, you know, you can go to a protest and think you're doing something and then you go home and pay your taxes and buy all this shit and keep the system going. And you can pretend you're an oppositionist when in fact you're not. So you've got to keep like like the schizophrenic reality where you, you think you're one way, but in fact you're another. Now, in, in bad times, that division vanishes. You have to choose who you're going to be. Are you going to be with the status quo or are you going to break from it and at every level? your identification with it, the whole bit. The People often say, you know, am I going to lose my health benefits if I join the Republic? Well, that isn't the question to ask. The question is, what do I need to do to create the new world? Not how can I hold on to a bit of the old, right? Um, you know, so suddenly you, you have to choose and people hate having to choose. So they then project the division on various figures. And um, I've gone through this so many times. People work with me. And they love what we're doing. They're loyal Republic activists. And then the next minute, they're attacking me, destroying the local assembly and leaving and smearing me all over the Internet. And I'm thinking, 
Like that, that isn't just a psyops or that isn't just black ops going on. This is a genuine psychic break that happens in people. They don't want to have to choose. And so suddenly I'm the bad guy when I used to be the good guy because they projected that shadow onto me. And, and that goes on on all of us. And we have to recognize at some point we've got to choose which persona and which new world we want to be in, right? Sure. And, and so for, you know, 30 odd years that you've, you've been doing this kind of thing, most of that 30 years, what's been familiar for everyday Joe public um, is what the system and what the cult, if you want to call them, have uh, offered, in, in a, if, if that's the right word, uh, demanded, perhaps, you know, in a very subtle and subversive way. But and, and so what you've been suggesting is is a big leap away from what's familiar. Perhaps that's the big word there. But this is the new thing now that we're in these last two years is that, in fact, that's reversed, it seems to me, in that they're you know, sending us down this inverted commas new normal with these, you know, lethal injections. And, and it's, it's you and, you know, truth tellers and, and freedom fighters like yourself who are saying, no, no, let's, let's maintain, you know, our grip and our grasp on, on what is the values of humanity and, and not go off, you know, in their crazy direction. And, and so that's perhaps, you know, it's perhaps quite confusing for them. And maybe there's a bit of pride involved where people have to think themselves, shit, you know, perhaps Kev was right all along. And I've got to swallow my pride and I've got to, you know, come to terms with that. Well, it's better just to, uh, you know, the safest way we all do face that dilemma is simply to ignore it and um, pretend that there isn't a conflict. Right. But here's the thing. Ten years from now, the human race, as we know, it could be gone. Like we're in the process of being eradicated. Sure. It's a life and death situation in a big way. Right. It is. And I mean, we are the plan is to enslave, to to um, technoform us, to make us attached to big corporate machine and mind. And they, they have the technology to do it now. And literally, it may not even be 10 years. It's happening quicker and quicker all the time. Anyone with a toehold in that system won't be here. They won't even have their own minds anymore. It's only the people who totally break now and start operating in a very different way over here who are going to be around in 10 years. It, it's like global genocide on a scale that, and, a, and, and the nature of it we haven't even imagined up to now. But we have glimpses of it from the work we've done and, and other things. So when we're talking slavery, there's nothing like it in human history that's ever been like this. And so how is the American uh, civil War and how slavery ended in America, not through nice talk, two-thirds of a million Americans had to die. There was a massive cataclysm, right? There was a huge war that ended slavery. Why would it be any different now? Except slavery is on such a bigger scale, the the war is going to have to be that much bigger, and we have to face that and realize we are going to have to physically fight this system. So what we're saying to people now, it's not a matter of getting elected sheriffs, okay? We need community militias. We need the people armed and organized in the community to defend themselves. And that's, the, the you know, we need home guard like you had in England during the war. Right. I mean, it's to defend their communities. And but you can't do that if you don't own your own mind. And this is why we've got to break first in every way from the system. Right. And, and that cognitive dissonance is, is that psychological condition that's you know, leading the people's deaths in a big way. This is, this is hypnosis, Pied Piper of Hamlin, you know, going to be oh, yeah. injected with this, you know, lethal poison because they believe in their heart of hearts that, you know, they're projecting their own 
perhaps morals and values and goodness onto yeah. strangers that they don't know and corporations that they, you know, have no reason to distrust because the media is not telling them uh, anything whatsoever about what's yeah. been going on. And, and that's, um, it's, it's interesting that, uh, Two snippets of information I've had this week are both from the financial areas. And I remember someone saying to me once, if you want to know what's really going on via newspapers, read the Financial Times because, you know, they tell the truth when it comes to money. And one of them was that uh, from an insurance company that the death rate globally worldwide in conjunction timing wise with the injection rollout is up 40 percent. And that if it was up 10 percent, that would be a 200 year uh, you know, event, if you like. And that's four times that. So the death rate globally is absolutely massive. The other one, just really quickly, was that uh, a guy in France wanted to claim uh, life insurance. I think his wife had died after having had the injection. And they said, no, you can't have any money because she chose to have it and it hasn't finished its trials. It's still a, an experimental thing. So we're not paying any money out. You know, two huge pointers for anybody that this, this, you know, rollout is a, is an utter murderous genocide, right? Right. Well, you know, don't forget that people are ascribing different causes to the huge death rate. And, uh, you know, pro-vaxxers say, yeah, it's because you haven't got the shot. And anti-vaxxers say, well, because it's because you have. But there's a bigger drama going on. And that is, even before any of this, this scamdemic started, the third most common cause of death in the world was suicide, right? I mean, especially in the younger generation. I think we've talked about that. Um, people are, have totally lost any desire or meaning. Um, you know, in their life. And when, when that happens, when life has no meaning, why would people continue? Right. Um, you know, so it, it's a lot, this is what I'm talking about. It's a crisis at every level it has nothing to do with the so-called virus. It has to do with, this is a projection. We're in a state of mass psychosis because the whole thing is falling apart. This industrial system we built over 200 years at the sake of, uh, you know, at the expense of the earth and ourselves and, countless different people who slaughtered in the process of gathering all this wealth and industry, all of that has degraded us to such a point that we don't want to live anymore. You know, there, there's a death wish at the highest level of the society and at the lowest, it pervades the whole system. We've talked about that. They make decisions increasingly destructive because part of us doesn't want to continue in this and yet we don't know the way out. So we go crazy. And that's what I think we're witnessing in a big way. Sure. Yeah. Big psych psychosis going on. Big, big pathology. And, and mm -hmm. this pe people don't have, um, you know, any, anything in their imagination as an alternative to, to what right. could happen away from this all pervasive, uh, culture. You know, you take the URE off that and just call it a cult, right? One of the most difficult. Well, you can't, uh, they can't, uh, dream anymore or imagine. Yeah. The, the capacity to imagine and dream is one of the first things that they target when you're a young child. Right. Um, and so that's a source of creation, something new, not only dreaming it. Okay. But dying to the old actively dying, but then you have to be realistic enough to, to know what's capable of doing and what you're not capable of doing. Right. In terms of um, being, being realistic and, and what's feasible uh, as, as an alternative option. Well, alternatives happen on their own. It's kind of funny because it's not like we create everything, but we have to know the, the ground on which we're operating, first of all, and 
most of us don't because we're, we're operating out of a fanciful uh, notion we've derived from our own fears or from the internet or whatever. We're not seeing the the huge potentiality in every moment that exists with each one of us, but only when our eyes are open. And that's the key to, to do that. Now, from, from, from this uh, page 32, one of the most difficult parts of learning to live as an assaulted truth teller, you know, which is a high percentage these days, or whether you want to call it freedom fighter or, or you know, is that one must reassess one's entire worldview for nothing makes sense anymore. Long before you come become an exile from the world you knew, your sense of that reality will start to crumble. Once you go up against a big corporate institution, none of the former solutions will work, for there will be no help for you from the police, the media, or anyone you once relied on. You will discover up close and quickly how tenuous are your relationships and how a whiff of danger or controversy will blow away your friends and even your family members. You will painfully discover how with most people, fear is normally stronger than love, integrity or courage. That is indeed an agonizing discovery, and it will be one you reject at first with the kind of denial that is a natural psychological defense against death and dying. For in truth, you are experiencing the death of an old life and its assumptions. This process of dying has distinct stages that embrace disorientation, denial, outrage, desperation, letting go, and a final acceptance. Many people are not able to pass through all these stages before their physical ending because they deny their own reality. Truth tellers, too, can find it impossible to adjust to their new reality and die to their old life in order to embrace a new one. And, and exactly as, as you were saying, that that, um, that dis disassociation, that detachment from uh, this all-pervasive, all-inclusive, um, you know, system that's, that's grown up, it's, it's, like, uh, it's like, you know, chopping off a limb, right? Yeah, and I don't think most people will do it. I mean, we always like to think in terms of, you know, the masses of people getting on board and changing. That's not what tends to happen in history. Um, things when revolutions happen, they're the action of well-organized, very clear-headed minorities, and the the majority is comes along in their wake. They they they're brought along in the wake, but then the majority revert and want to settle back to their old ways of thinking. The minority of revolutionaries tend to get isolated, and then you have a Napoleon or a Stalin come along to take absolute power. You know, and and that tends to be the pattern in history. You know, and that's all right, though, because um, it's always that creative minority that create a new world, but they have to be self-aware. And that's what's lacking right now. We like in a meeting, I give you the example of people say, don't criticize the truckers, right, because it'll cause division. And and, uh, you know, and 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 so the the, the danger of the the uh, conscious minority is that they're going to be brought down to the consciousness level of the majority. And, you know, it's like when Jesus says, uh, don't you're salt of the earth, but don't ever lose your saltiness okay. or then your, your nothing can be thrown away. People lose their salt by having to relate. You say, well, I won't bring this up in the meeting. I know better, but I'm not going to uh, raise it because it might cause division. That's a really common Canadian attitude, right? Especially uh, Americans have less of a problem about creating division than saying, screw you. This is where I stand. Canadians don't like doing that. Um, because, you know, we, we, we want this corporate sense of, of oneness it comes out of empire. Right. Um, but 
the the uh, it's going to be the other way around. The conscious major- minority have to raise others to their level, even if it means being isolated for a long time. And I know that feeling well. Like I mean, I I there, I'm, I'm at the point now in interviews, Owen, where I can't really t- relate to a lot of the people interviewing me and talking to me because there's too much to explain. Uh, you know, it's like reinventing the wheel every time. And that's not my job. You know, it's to really what I what I'm focused now on doing is creating seminars and schools where the people who have gone down the, the, the rabbit hole to a certain degree and are, and are aware of a lot of these things can then be taken to the next step rather than, you know, you speak to a crowd of a thousand people. Well, they're not going to get at all what we're saying. You know, they, it doesn't relate to their paradigm at all. So. We have to bring them along and, along and organize them and make them even more self-reliant and self-conscious because otherwise the whole thing is gone, right? Is it really good um, adage, uh, really good uh, metaphor from David Icke about the postage stamp consensus that most people are on a tiny little postage stamp consensus and, you know, characters like yourself have spent 30 years far away from that postage stamp consensus and, and that right. that's... Um, that impasse between the psychology of uh, well, I, I was going to say as well. You prompted me, to, you know, you, I follow a little bit of astrology here and there. So this is sort of a, a spiritual community, if you like. You kind of pick it up on it. They use the word surrender quite liberally, and and they they talk about how it's really important to surrender to the universe. And I'm thinking to myself, well, hang on, is that the same as submission and apathy? Or are you sort of talking about like how perhaps uh, a surfer has to adapt depending on circumstances to how the wave is moving? You know, that's would be a, oh, would be a more uh, sort of beneficial and, and progressive way of, of, of taking that uh, phrase surrender. But, but I, I think that a lot of people, you know, those ones that are at the crowd listening to someone like yourself, perhaps they're, they're looking for a way of, of, passing the buck of not raising the head above the parapet, whatever the phrase is, and, and allowing the, um, you know, the, the naughty kid in the classroom, perhaps is a good way of saying it, to, to confront the teacher while they, you know, throw the popcorn back in and watch from, from the stalls of the audience, right? Right. I know. It's, it's, uh, it's the old dilemma. It's funny, you know, these things we're struggling with now, people thousands of years ago were as well the, the the drama never changes just the the issues and the people but um you know that's why sun tzu is so invaluable because you know he he makes that point over and over that it's seasoned veterans to win battles you know because they bring the sluggish majority in their wake if that or you know his famous quote battles are won or lost according to the will and the clarity of the commander okay so um and somebody asked Napoleon once, well, how do you win a battle? And he says, I never plan anything. I start something and then I see what happens, right? Because he knows that reality is fluid and that's the natural law. Circumstances, balance of forces are constantly in flux. And yet activists walk in with the blueprint. They say, okay, we're going to have the truck convoy and we're going to present our demands and we're going to have try to work on a con- contract. You know, they, they a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing because they take common law knowledge about, OK, we'll have a contract that Trudeau signs and then he's bound by it. But he's under an own, no obligation. They're operating in his bailiwick. So they, they're obligated to operate according to crown jurisdiction. So why should he sign a contract with them at all? But they they've got this idea and yet they're not they're not seeing the bigger context of it. Right. So 
uh, they're not clear. They're trying to lead something, but they're not clear at all. And so they'll lose. You know, it's a fait accompli. They're not going to get anything. A lot of people are going to get demoralized, but then we've got to say to those people, explain the defeat and say, okay, it's a fluid. You lost that one. What about the next battle? Because everyone not only thinks in terms of a blueprint, but very short term. We're going to do this and then we'll wipe away the COVID measures and we'll go back to our old life. That's illusion. That's fanciful thinking. We're in a constant battle that's going to be happening. Our grandchildren are going to be in this battle. We have to think generations down the road. How do we build up? You know, it's the corporatocracy versus the free people of the earth in their own common law republics. That's the line that's being drawn and people have got to decide where they are and have the long term view and move fluidly in every situation. They do something. We respond. We can use our action in our next battle. You know, think in those terms rather than these static one dimensional terms that people are operating because they haven't grown enough. Right. A sort of rigid insistence that we can we can get back to where we were in in a debt slavery position. <laughs> you know, for me, it's just right. Let's go back <laughs> to the old genocide. You know, it didn't touch me at all, so it's fine, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, page page forty three. Practical note number five. Same book. In your public statements and protests, give your issue a human face and always get personal about your enemy. Name the CEO responsible for your victimization. Expose his wrongdoing and challenge him to come out from behind his lawyers and flunkies and face you. Wherever you can, laugh at and deride your big opponent and his deeds, since no one in authority can bear being publicly ridiculed. All of this will provoke your adversary to make rash mistakes, appear stupid and blurt out things they shouldn't, which only serves to delegitimate them in the public eye. Always prod and provoke and forget about being nice about it. I, I pulled that quiet because back to that press conference is exactly the opposite right. of what was going on. You know, they, they were they were hoping to have a really nice, you know, cup of tea and a, and a chat and a biscuit with the politicians because something has clearly gone awry. Right. We're just, you know, off. We, we haven't quite, you know, seen eye to eye with this one issue. And, you know, after a, a quick chat with the uh, with, with the vicar and the MP, we'll 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 be back on track right but actually it's completely opposite you know we're taught to be so polite and to be so genteel and you know think about people's feelings sociable but we've actually got to you know hold these people up as as um like you say deride them right we 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 gotta we gotta put them and provoke them and and throw the shit out of them right the canadian truckers handed over their chi they handed over the energy to the adversary and they lost Okay. Uh, at that moment, they lost that battle. Um, so that's the thing to remember all the time. Uh, how do you keep your own energy? You do that by, yeah, like he, he says in there, you, you personalize it, but not with the, with the hired help in the government. You go to the homes of the CEOs of Vanguard Group and BlackRock, right? You, you arrest those people. You put them on the hot seat. And it, like I say these days, it's about more than just arresting individuals. To stop their system, you hit them where it hurts, right? Like we did with the churches. Money, public image, and you go seize the drugs off the shelf. And people are doing that more and more. That's the real action, not making arrests, but seizing the drugs and saying, look, 
we ban these from our communities. Boom. That's striking at the heart of, of their means of what they're trying to impose on us. Right. I remember one of the first protests we did outside the Anglican Church in Vancouver. We learned that the archbishop was giving the sermon that day. So we got a cage. We got one of our people standing inside a cage. Um, and he was he had the megaphone. He was yelling outside the cage. Uh, uh, bishop Michael Lingham, we have you morally surrounded. Come up with your hands up. And it's like the, the natives said, hey, this is great. So they invaded the church and they started yelling in the middle of the church service. Michael Ingham, you come out. You've got the blood of children on your hands. The whole thing fell apart. Their service. He ran out the back door. The whole thing fell apart. That's when the press was still reporting what we were doing. It made headlines and it caused a huge panic. After that day, every church in Vancouver had police protection. They were monitoring their own people when they were coming into church. And people were saying, what the hell's going on? Why, why do I have to show you my purse if I'm walking into a church service, right? Um, you know, they, they had security guards. They were totally paranoid about me. They had my picture in all the churches. We provoked an incredible response by make, going for the jugular, making it very personal and invading their holy of holies, right? So think by analogy what we can do to do that you know, in the, in the corporate headquarters or the private homes of these people, then they're going to start worrying. I mean, they, they can contain protests. They hope you have press conferences and protests. They love it when you do that because they know exactly how to contain it as they've, as they've done. Right. It's so predictable, right? What, what they can't handle is, is people off piece, you know, doing, doing something that they, they have no, right. no prediction, predict, predictability. Yeah. In, in general, you know, the corporate structure is pre-adapted and designed to foster and inflame evil and normalize it throughout the world. Its hierarchical structure allows evil to be concentrated at the commanding heights of its system and from there percolate smoothly to all of its levels. The compartmentalized culture and mindset of corporate employees prevents evil from being detected or opposed. The vicarious transfer of all moral judgment and capacity to think for oneself from employees to higher authority that is normative in the corporation prevents compassion, values, or moral outrage from impeding evil at any level of the system. And this is where the media comes in, right? Because if they just follow the media narrative, then they feel good about themselves and, the, and they don't have any sort of um, you know, question about, about what's perhaps right. another side of the story, right? And this is why this intense censorship that's you know, exponentially increasing as, as uh, you know, this is a good pointer to how well we're doing, I think, is, is you know, still that battlefront, right? right? So that whole thing you said about the corporate structure, that's key to everything we're doing because it, impo it it's everywhere. It's in the churches, the government, the media, the corporations, everything, the military, they're all governed by the corporate principles. So what is the point of appealing to the conscience of people in that system? It, it, it selects for people who have no conscience. You're all functional psychopaths when you're in a corporate system. So it doesn't matter what Justin Trudeau's personal feelings are, if he has any, Right. They're irrelevant. He won't be allowed to act or he'll be removed and he won't be allowed to respond to the people or he'll be removed and another flunk will be put in his place. Right. Um, and so there's nothing to appeal to. I found that out in an extreme way when I was booted out of the church because I went through what the truckers are doing now, their illusions. That was me in the 1990s. That's what I did. I appealed to the conscience of the church leaders. I tried to sit down with them. I said, look, you're destroying my family and my livelihood. Well, duh, of course, they're going to destroy my livelihood. I'm a whistleblower dummy, right? But 
I kept trying to appeal to something that wasn't there. And they got, they outmaneuvered me constantly because they, I was in that state of mind. So from experience, if I had, you know, did what I did a few years later and that went for the jugular, did the church occupations, named the names, right? Made it a stink for them. Look what happened. Two dozen of us shut down Canada. We forced genocide into the open. We forced the quote apology and eventually Ratzinger out of office nine years ago today, right? So all of that is, was a learning for me and people are going to have to go through their own learning. They won't learn. People don't learn from others. Um, you have to take your own experience seriously and learn from what you've learned with your eyes open. But as long as you're not denying what happened, which they may do now, they may say, oh no, we want a victory in Ottawa. Oh yeah, really? Where? <laughs> I watched a, a news team. It was it was a fascinating uh, couple of minutes. I don't know if you've seen. It, it was in Ottawa, Ottawa again, and there was a woman, and she was a nurse, and she was right in the face of this of this news team, and and a couple of them just weren't interested, you know, crazy, crazy woman, da da da. But one of the guys, you could see, you could see the wake up, you know, immediately happening in him. Right. He was wide eyed, he was still, and he was facing her, and he was just you know absorbing it all in, and she was saying to him. You know, I've I've dropped off my career because of what's going on, and you're pumping out this lies. You know, on the media, CBC, whatever Canadian broadcasting, right? and and he was he wanted to say, but he didn't. He wanted to say, but I'm just doing my job. You know, this is what I've wanted to do: be part of TV. My parents are proud, and I'm getting some money, and you know, my life is right because I've got this decent job. But she was telling him exactly why. You know, none of that was important to anything at all, and and it was sinking in. It was sinking. I'm sure that guy, you know. Woke up the next morning and, and resigned, <laughs> and, and this is what's going on over the world, right? Translate that across the globe. So now that your job is done, do you actually believe the stuff that you say out of curiosity, or do you just kind of do the script that you're told to repeat? I'm just curious because you have destroyed my life, CBC. Um, you you write a lot of hit pieces about me. My family has been doxxed. I've received death threats. Um, I have a six-year-old son, a three-year-old son. I come from a good family. And you've literally destroyed my life because I ask appropriate questions. I just want to know if you have children, if this is actually the world that you feel that, you know, you want to raise kids in, that you think kids, you know, want should be living in, if this is the future for them. Like, you're young. You actually think this is appropriate? And do you, like, do you actually believe the work that you do, or is it just a good paycheck? You? Like CBC has destroyed my life. Like you should see the hit pieces, many of them that you guys have written about me. Um, it's disgusting. I'm Chris Nagel. I'm a nurse. And um, because of the hit pieces, you guys have totally like ruined my career. And and just and I've been fired um, because of it. People have doxxed my address. People have given me death threats um, because of the lies that you guys spread and, and the way that you twist the truth. And I have a six-year-old and a three-year-old, and kids have never been happier than what has been created here. Why don't you show that truth? Do you see the smiles in the kids? Do you know what has been taken away from them these last two years? Do you know six-year-olds have told me they wanted to cut themselves and kill themselves? Kids want to die because of the last two years. Why aren't you showing that? And now you're talking about kids' welfare safety? Now you think kids should be taken from their parents out of these trucks? You're working with the welfare services? But you're repeating it. You're repeating it. And people are believing it. Why do you think there's people out here counter-protesting? Why do you think Winnipeg, someone drove down four protesters purposely and put them in critical care? Why do you think there's actually violence and hate happening? 
Do you know how divisive this is? Yeah. Is this actually Canada? Do you know what you're reporting and what you're doing to the people out there? How does that make you feel? You're a young guy. This is not the world. This is not Canada. This is not the world I want my kids to live in. And you guys are a big part of what you're doing. It's not right, man. You got to think about that. Yeah, this is not right. Your, your side there. Don't leave. My husband lost his job. He's a teacher. I was a nurse. Good people out there, that firefighter. Do you know how many nurses out there have lost jobs? How many teachers? How many um, firefighters? Like Just because just the jobs I just heard there recently, everyone has suffered. People have died because of this. It's not okay. Welfare? You're bringing up welfare services? You're talking about, concerned about kids being with their family? Kids are with their families in these trucks. And they are laughing and they're dancing. You guys should be ashamed of yourselves for what you're doing. Fun is illegal in Canada. They have never been happier these 10 days than they have in the last two years. Do you know how many kids came up and said thank you? Do you, do you actually even look at the notes that are stuck to every single truck from kids? Do you see the heart that comes out from them? Yeah. Do you know how important this is for them? Then why don't you report it? Why don't you guys report it? Like, like I said, why don't you report the truth? Not my, it's not in my power now. Sorry. You allow it to happen. By being here, you allow it to happen. It's not even in my power. Or, is this your job? Well, is this I, your job to stand? So you consent. You consent. I took a, I took a choice as a nurse. And right away, as soon as this happened, I stood up and I lost my job for it. You being here a part of this, you're complicit. It means you consent to what is happening. It's just money. There's other jobs. There's other ways. There's other platforms. The longer you stay with this lie. Stay stronger. Oh, I am strong. You have no idea. But you guys have, you guys have to sleep at night and live with your conscience of what you're doing to Canada and the people here. It's interesting on that. I got a very interesting email that three days ago from a group of Catholic priests <laughs> and they say, we've read all your stuff. And with what's happening now, we realize that the church we belong to and, and took a vow to serve is evil. So what do we do? And these are people in the most brainwashed controlled institution on the planet, right? <laughs> when their own people are beginning to break like that. And these were senior priests. This isn't just some new, you know, seminarian fresh from the, uh, you know, fried you know ready to get fried on the skillet it's uh these are old guys almost on their pension and they're in a crisis they don't know what to do and i you know we're, and we're gonna have a zoom call where we talk about options but when their people right within their own you know group are breaking like that it's a sign of the end yeah. and so what what they do in that situation is create a lot of fog to massive fact that they're losing and that we usually help them. A naive protesters help them do that by legitimating them. Look what's happened. Um, now they've legitimated Trudeau. You know, they, they, they've left, every, left everything in his hands. They've hand turned over power to him. You know, and so learn from the lesson, prepare for the next battle, recognizing your defeat. I mean, the best education is your last mistake. As uh, I think Ralph Nader used to say that. Best educating is your last mistake <laughs> I, I used to say a similar thing uh, when I was uh, teaching kids uh, make a load of mistakes because it's the best way to learn right yep. <laughs> now, happy happy with mistakes well, but that takes humility 
And that's another Sun Tzu point. He said the, the commander must be humble, but not in a false moralistic way. But when you're humble and you realize I have a lot to learn, it doesn't matter how what kind of veteran I am. It doesn't matter that I've been through 30 years of this. I can always learn in any moment from the people going through it. And I can alter what I think based on what I'm learning. That takes humility, because if you're not humble and aware of what's going on around you're willing to change, you get ambushed. You won't see what the enemy is doing. Right. You know. Uh, so that's an important personal quality to have, right? Peripheral vision, being, being, being able to, to to see, you know, as you said earlier, you're not being fixed in 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 your uh, in your goals right. and destination, going with the flow like yeah. a surfer, right? So, Kevin, we're, we're we're coming close to the hour. I was I was going to ask you as well. You, you're saying your your inbox is getting peppered with with people wanting to know how to start new assemblies. Do you do you want to do you want to say something? Just you know. Why to send emails to you, and perhaps more importantly, why not to send emails to you? Well, I mean, the thing about assemblies is there's no quick cure on any of this. And we have gone the route in many countries of trying to set up assemblies prematurely before people have gone through enough experiences and learned enough and know enough about Kamala and, and what our goal is to be able to act, you know consistently not just once or twice but consistently so i'd say the, often to people the better thing to do is form an action group a cell group you can start learning together enough of those cell groups can then form an assembly we used to uh open up assemblies to the community and they would fall apart within a few weeks um you know because people don't really it's it's like people say they want to do something but when they experience it and get their feet wet they pull back because it's too much of a risk with most people, but with some, they've been through enough, they don't stop. I mean, I know one guy, he's personally pursuing the Ontario Provincial Police with these arrest warrants, and he's not giving up. He's like a, a, a bulldog with a bone in his mouth. He doesn't give up. Those are the people who need to be not being superhero on their own, but uniting with others, having people around him and teaching others, infusing them with his passion and courage, right? And and But we're all taught to think in atomized ways. So People will write to me and say, what do I do, Kevin? I said, well, you know, don't ask me. What should you do? Ask yourself that question. What should I do? Because you know the answer. You don't have to come to the expert for the answer. But, you know, we can connect you with others and give you resources and that. So it's all about responsibility. Other people have to take responsibility. And that's the hard part, right? Sure, and, and and your book, the 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 training manual, you know, it's it's really full and, and comprehensive. I think so. You know, for anybody listening and they're wondering where to make a first step into getting a common law assembly together, get get that book, the the common law training assembly manual. It's, it's, does does it all for you with all the forms to be photocopied as well, right? And and also, Kev, one thing uh, I touched on it last week, but we we sort of ran out of time. Um, yeah, the the details about the um. Uh, the the child graves. Then you you said twenty nineteen, right? Two two three years ago, there was this fresh ones popping up left, right, and center on the west coast. That's right. Um, I'm not going to say where, but they are uh, in areas where the Chinese have basic control now. Uh, operating out of Prince Rupert and then in northwest British Columbia, that that whole area uh, traditionally they call it the Highway of Tears, where a lot of native families go missing, but they're fresh graves there. These are three of the people who were arrested. A number of them, two of the three, named other people involved and named where these graves are. So we got teams going out there to look into it now. But the thing to realize is these are ongoing crimes. These are not just from drug testing and, and organ trafficking. 
I mean, the Mounties who are sympathetic to us have been telling us for 20 years that Native women are often found missing kidneys, lungs, hearts, you know. Uh, but but now it's in the context of everything going on, it'll be explosive the more this stuff comes out. So, you know, you might have noticed this fellow on, uh, he's a German lawyer, and they've been holding their own tribunal. Um, all of a sudden, Reiner, Reiner Fuller. Reiner, yeah. Right. Okay. Same deal has happened before. It's the same reason the British government suspended their Plan B uh, COVID measures as soon as our sheriffs appeared with warrants. Okay. This is revolutionary what we're doing. We can shut down the whole system. So the very same week our warrants appear, he appears with this tribunal. And okay, they're going to say a lot of good things and a lot of necessary information to come out, but what's the end going to be? Are they going to call for replacing the system? Are they going to work within, you know, the system to try to get resolution? They're not talking about enforcement. It's objectively or not, it's distraction of energy away from people know what they need to do now. They've got to displace the whole COVID police state with our own system. And we eventually need republics forming in all these different nations and federate into an international alliance to fight the corporatocracy. That's what people are going to be talking about and how to fight it in your own community with your own armed militias. It's going to come to that. It comes to it now. Um, and yet here's Reiner over there saying, oh, no, we're going to have a nice you know, and, and lots of people are talking to him now, like he's the answer. Well, how? How's he going to enforce it? Who's going to give the verdict? What's his what's his alternative? Right. Well, there, no. been, so it's again, it's more smoke and mirrors. There's been two years of, of this evidence gathering. You know, there's there's so much information out there. You know, surely this this verdict and, and warrant, you know, could have been done by any legal team worth the salt. Yeah. A long, long time ago, right? You know, you guys are the International Common Law Courts of Justice. You've you've done it. You you, you sat there. The the arrest warrants there, ready to go. And and now all of a sudden that that arrest warrant out there, it seems like there's there's even more background noise from from the system, right? That's what I'd do if I was the system. I'd turn the clock back and say, oh, no, let's have another investigation. Yeah. I mean, we don't need another bloody investigation. We know what the problem is. What's the investigation going to achieve? The next, we got to evolve. We got to move on, people. The next stage of the battle now, before we're totally overwhelmed, is to not just fight it, but to create the alternative. And if people aren't doing that, they're not going to be around in a few years. Yeah. Well, this is the other thing: is the terminology, right? You hear uh, vaccine ad- adverse reactions to the vaccine. It's not a bloody vaccine. It's a lethal injection, and they're not adverse reactions. This is this is a offensive. This is a wartime offensive, right? <laughs> That's right. It's a it's a civil war of exter- it's a war of extermination against the human race. And once people conceive it in that way, and again, we're setting the terrain of battle. We're setting the mental terrain of battle by saying, like we did in Canada, it's not abuse, it's genocide. Well, here, it's not about a, a virus. It's not about stopping COVID shots. It's about global extermination yeah. through this mega corporate state. And we have to build the opposition, the resistance and the alternative and pull people out, you know, and if we're not doing that, like I say, it's, it's, it's just a rat chasing his tail. And, um, you know, we got to provide for our children, for those children, not yet born, what's going to help them another verdict or action to create an alternative and a new world for them to live in. Right. Economics is, is we've, Touched on it before, and and it seems like this this whole internal assault, you know, via this uh, 
the the administrations are treasonous in administrations. They're they're sabotaging economies, right? And and inflation's about to go nuts and this kind of thing. And and it made me think of, um, we we chatted maybe a few months ago about uh, a Kanata currency. Any any progress on that one? No, because we don't have the 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 numbers and the organization yet to launch that realistically like the the aim the theory is fine it's about setting up local currency local economies barter systems local exchange and trading networks we have the resources to do that we don't have the people because everyone's still stuck in the stage of talking and looking to other people and not okay i'm going to set up the assembly i'm going to be the sergeant that recruits others to the militia i'm going to work on this every day of my life i don't see that zeal i don't see that commitment People are not taking responsibility. And that means that none of us may be here in 10 years. As long as people hide behind that, well, I don't know anything. I got to let somebody else do it. Then you're dead. And, and you know, we have to start waking people up to that, right? You know, over here, we have the Bristol Pound. So the city of Bristol has its own little microcurrency. And, and it, I think it works really well. I, I, yeah. I haven't lived there for the best part of seven, eight years. But, uh, but I remember at the time that this little microcurrency is, is a good fallback for, for when this global thing, you know, goes belly up and, and, and blows up in our faces. That those guys in the Bristol area, they're, they're, they're going to be in a much better position than, than most, right? Okay. But the final question here, and I know we, we only got a few minutes left here, but, uh, what we do is not look into the past. We have to look to the future. So it's not about solidifying our own comfy little life and going back to that because that comfy little life was based on blood and suffering that led to this whole COVID state. We have to transform and transformation is like death. It's a hard thing for people to do, but you've got to be open to it. You've got to let go of the old. It's about letting go of old assumptions, own relationships and allegiances and starting something new and having the courage to do that. So I see that we got to fan those fires wherever that appears, right? So still very much in, in the philosophy stage, right? Is is uh, getting people collectively in tune philosophically? Well, you know, frankly, it reminds me of that stage in history when I've read a lot about the, the Warsaw Ghetto and uh, the resistance that happened there and both Jews and non-Jews when the Nazis were about to wipe them out. Some people could see what was coming and they got out and they set up the underground network and they got out of the ghetto. The other said, oh, no, no, they wouldn't kill us. They need us economically, blah, blah, blah. Ninety percent of them were dead. But that core that had acted before, they survived the onslaught and they marked a resistance, which they held it for a month against the entire Nazi empire. These were just people with homemade guns because they had organization and they had clarity and will. And I don't see that happening today. I don't see the clarity or the will. We better get it going soon or, you know, we're going to be wiped out in our ghetto. Right. Yeah. It's, it's really coming to a crescendo. Okay. We've hit the hour, Kev. Thanks very much for your time again. Thank you. Okay. On. All the best, Skipper. Take care. Yeah, cheers. Cheers.